Tell you what, man. Nothing like scheduling to talk about why your life doesn't change after salvation on a <laughs> podcast to really test your day. Like, <laughs> I was just like, I moved that over and I was like, oh, yeah, this is why my day has been like this. Because just, just a nice reminder that you're no different. <laughs> like, yep, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. I'm no different. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's kind of one of those things. It's, um, you know, that I've always been warned against the idea of praying for patience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, I think it's a similar thing. Yeah. Like when you know, uh, when you know you're about to talk to people about the impact Jesus should have on a life, then you're like coming to grips with the fact that you spend all day with you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, oh, right, 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 right. I'm talking to me. Made, made painfully aware. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Love that. All right. Let's hit an intro and, and jump into it. huh? Welcome to the podcast, Blue Collar Scholars. Not long ago, a group of brilliant minds met together at a pub to discuss their unfinished works. They recognized the value of coming together around delicious beverages and having meaningful conversations. That group was known as the Inklings. The Inkledoo podcast here, we're working to be the second iteration of that group. So pour yourself a craft beverage, pull up a chair, and join the conversation. All right. You had anything uh, good recently? Um, I mean, nothing particularly like super exciting. Uh, I, I think I mentioned it's been a couple of weeks, um, but I had done that mother road six pack Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. had their, um, before I had talked about their, uh, mango tower station, right? but actually just the, the classic tower station, I had another one of those and you know what, man? It's it's just what an IPA is kind of supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's really nothing for me to, like, pick out and single out about it as, oh, this is spectacular or anything like that. But it's like, oh, you know what? It's got that kind of resinous, hoppy finish on it mm-hmm. um, without doing, like, the full cheek caving, uh, hyper bitterness mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. It's got a good balanced flavor. Yeah, no, I mean it was just it was a really solid beer. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. Like it's there's nothing wrong with it. Like nobody's going to get mad if you bring it, you know, and you're supporting local, but it, it's just it is. You know, like it it's good. It's it's good, but it's also kind of paint by number. Mhm. Like mm, it's yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Agreed. I agree with that. Um, yeah, I actually had one that I thought was really good. I'm reaching a little ways back when I, I went back on vacation in November or sometime, but, uh, we were grilling hamburgers. And so I wanted to get something a little different than what I had. So I stopped at the store and, and they didn't have much because it was a very, very small town, but they did have, uh, founders, uh, they make a Scottish Scottish Ale, so kind of like Kilt Lifter, right? So I was like, oh, yeah. Kilt Lifter, and then this one was right next to it. I was like, I'll go with this one I haven't tried yet. Sure. And Founders makes good stuff. Like, I've, I've had a few of them from them now, and I haven't been disappointed, and this thing was the same way. Like, it was it was everything for, like, it was a Scottish Ale. It was like Four Peaks, but it was, like, more. Mm. 
right? Like five peaks. Yes. <laughs> but like more malt, more sweet, <laughs> right. more like just more flavor, more body, more like everything. And boy, it was really good. And it was it was not hard for for our small little group to just sit there on the patio drinking them, eat some burgers, play some games afterward. Like it was it was the best cold night barbecuing game night vacation beer I'd had in a long time. Like it was super good. So that's awesome. man. I would highly recommend that one for sure. It was good. And it's kind of one of those things like that all sounds fantastic, but that was also a heck of a lot of qualifiers put on that uh, (laughs) best beer thing. (laughs) Yeah, touche. Yeah, and this very specific moment, right. ever this. <laughs> but at the same time, like I, like, so obviously, yes, I'm giving you a little bit of grief. But at the same time, like that is kind of what you want. Is you want a a, a drink that stands out is also going to be a drink that like fits mm-hmm. a specific moment. Yeah, like that. I, I was giving you a hard time. It's not really like that was a disclaimer. Yeah, it yeah. was a more a matter of as you're talking about it, it took you right back to all that stuff you were dealing. Right. Which is, you know, what it's for. It was the right thing at the right time. But also, like, summer barbecue beer, very different than, like, fall barbecue beer. Well, I was up there, like, it was, like, 50 degrees, you know? And if you're drinking, like, some juicy IPA, you're like, you know, it would work. But you're like, yeah, this is just, like, not exactly what I want in this moment with the woods and the... yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, and that's also like a great statement about how kind of spoiled we are. The fact that, mm-hmm. you know, fall barbecue weather is a thing that we discuss. Mm-hmm. And like that wasn't even in Phoenix. That was like up in kind of yes. like the woods yes. and cooled off. But still like, yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it was good. Oh, OK. So to jump into it, I came across a video uh, that was. It was kind of interesting, or at least the title was interesting, and it sucked me in, so I watched it. Um, but it, it connected back to some previous conversations or thoughts that I'd had, and and so I thought it would be worth digging into a little bit. But it was, uh, I'm not. Have you heard of the Bible Project? Vaguely, like I'm not super familiar with it, but I'm aware of its existence. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty. I think cool. I've stolen a couple of I've, I've stolen a couple of their videos to use for like one of the classes I teach is scripture. Yes. And so, like, I've definitely hijacked one or two of them. Yes. Yeah, their their little animated videos are super good. Uh, yeah. Well, especially, like, you know, I'm trying to cover the entirety of the scriptures with freshmen in high school. And it's like, yeah, you know what? We're probably not going to do a super deep dive on the Book of Judges. Mm-hmm. But I still need you to know this stuff because mm-hmm. otherwise the King David stuff doesn't make sense. Yeah. So yep. here's five minutes. <laughs> uh, so that guy... I've listened to him speak a couple of times. The, like the the guy who does the Bible project, he's, he's the sure. main theologian. I don't I don't think he's the artist, but um, I've listened to him speak a couple of times. And so they were he was on a podcast and being interviewed, and the question was around, you know, why do we not really notice or or why do we not see um, like a big difference? when we're saved like why is it not um like materially different like fit like like so like it's just not and so the guy's answer was really long-winded and good but it was basically 
you know, 10 minutes of, I don't know. Hmm. Right. And that I basically just have to trust. Jesus said that we're different now. And so I just have to trust him because you're right. I don't feel different. I still screw up. I still do stupid stuff, you know, and that got me, I was chewing on in the blog post last week about adoption and how, you know, adoption is basically just like papers, right? Like you don't become a different person, but your papers are different, right? Like where you belong is different. Uh, So if the cops arrest you, they take you to one home instead of the other home type of a thing, you know, like, and that's kind of the scenario is, is that we're still doing stupid crap. Right. (laughs) It's just that, you know, like when we get caught, we get taken to a different house. Um, and, and so I just now have this mental image of like St. Michael, like knocking on the door and God opening the door and us with our head down, like again, again, sorry to bother you again, sir, but, uh, found your boy, uh, oh, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. I wish it wasn't, but it, it's so true. Oh, man. And so, like, I have all of these thoughts on it and, and, like, going way back to, like, a conversation I had with Kevin. And he was talking about how it was so frustrated that if, you know, people just had a true revelation of the reality that you're partaking in, like, there's no way that you're, like, your life could be the same. Like, like it's so insane. Like, if you saw God, you could never be the same. But yet people persist in these things. And, and so it was just one of those things he, he was kind of sharing it in like a, a not in a condemning way, but in like a. Uh, like a. Pain for the church kind of way, like it was just like, yeah, how can it, you it's see a real God frustration not, from the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was out of love completely. And so that's kind of what I wanted to, to chew on. Um, and then primarily, I know I, I said a whole bunch of crap there, but mainly just like. <laughs> that general idea, that question of, you know, like, why is it not different material? Let's start with maybe materially. Okay. I don't know. Unless you so had like, a different thought. I'm, I'm good. No, going I'm anywhere. good with that. I mean, so when you say materially, are you talking like going back into kind of our philosophical distinctions, matter, form, that kind of stuff? Like uh, talking about in the body and in our, like physical reality or I what I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, cause to be honestly, like, like I guess like when I say materially, not, not talking matter and form, but like, like real. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got you. So more in terms of like the conversational use for it, which yes. is good. Cause I yes. feel like that makes more sense for me in terms of how I would try and answer it. I was like, Oh crud. I really <laughs> needed to get Aquinas out and like pour through that again. If this is where we were going. But no, I think um, – so for one thing, I think it's important for us to keep in mind that this is not in any way, shape, or form a new phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Like going back to the time of Christ, like, yeah, we talk about you know uh, this idea of you can't have an encounter with Christ and be unchanged. And on a certain level – That's true, but only on a certain level, because if you look at it, you know, the rich young man who comes to Jesus and says, you know, I've been keeping the commandments all my life. What else do I have to do? And Jesus is moved with pity for the young man and says, sell all that you own and come and follow me. 
And the young man goes away sad mm-hmm. because he had many things. Mm. Or in John chapter six, when Jesus had the bread of life discourse, you know, and Jesus is talking about if you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, then you have no life within you. And people who had been following him for like the better part of two or three years at this point say this this statement is hard. Who can accept it? And it says in the Bible, a really interesting phrase. They returned back to their former way of life. Hmm. Like not just that they left Jesus, but that they're like, eh. This has been kind of a fun road, but time to go home now. Yeah. Time to get back to the real world almost. Mm. Like we've been following this preacher around and things have been really cool and he's worked some miracles, but uh, okay, clearly we've reached the end of this ride. It's not fun anymore. I'm going home. Yeah. And Christ's response to that was to turn to the 12 and be like, and what about you? Will you also leave me? Mm. So like this idea, like, Hmm. Is it actually possible that those people who had been following Jesus and seeing the miracles, were they actually unchanged? Probably not. You know, there was probably something that happened there. There's a decent chance that a number of those people later on, you know, after the death and resurrection uh, are hearing from Peter and the other apostles and they're like, holy crap, did we misread that one? Yeah. Yeah. And like might have themselves been, you know, martyred or persecuted and been like faithful Christians afterwards. You know, we don't know that. We don't have like a compare and contrast list of names or anything like that. But there's a decent chance of it. And I think that's part of the problem is that we tend to view these things um, on a very human timeline. Which makes sense because we're human and it's the only one we've got to work with. But those changes are deep-seated at our core. That idea that we are created in the image and likeness of God. And if we have a genuine experience of Christ, to me in my head, that's like it's uh, it's a resonance. It's a like... That that frequency kind of like unto like type of thing that's happening there, where when we encounter Christ, we have a moment of recognizing not that this is not that this is something new. It is, but that it's also something that I have always known Hmm. and that I've always desired. You know, I, I understand it on a new level. There was all this crap that was in the way. Yeah. Of it originally, and I'm able to see through a little bit more. But it is, it's a deep seated thing, like at the very core of who we are. And it's not going to be an all in one kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, even when it is a massive turnaround at that point, you know, like the, the, the national speaker level, like, my life was here, down in the absolute depths. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea of a living hell is not a parallel I am making. I was living that experience of complete and total disconnect from God in my life here on earth. And then I turned to Christ. Now, that's about as big of a 180 turn as is possible to happen. Mm-hmm. But it still wasn't one and done. 
because for as long as that person is alive, there's going to continue to be temptations. They're going to continue to be habits and weaknesses that linger, that they are having to overcome day after day after day, having to make that choice day after day after day. Yeah. Not the same choice. Right. Not the same choice. Right. Like they've already made the decision, but they have to like affirm that choice, confirm that choice and like continue to move forward. And so I think part of the problem is that we want it to be like the storybooks we grew up reading and they all lived happily ever after. Mm -hmm. And what we forget is that we're still in the middle of the story. Like yeah, yeah. we're not at the last chapter yet. Yeah. We we still have the happy ever after. Like if we stay faithful to it, if we stay committed to Christ, we're guaranteed that happy ever after. Um, But we're not there. We're still in the middle of the story. Yeah. I like what you said there. I didn't really consider the fact that because I always think of an encounter with Christ as something supernatural um, which it w- would have been like if you were rolling with him for a year, you saw some supernatural stuff. But there was people that looked Christ in the face and still turned away sad or still went. And so like that doesn't even process in my brain because like again, like I think I'm reading this book, like you said, like almost like a storybook to where like if I went back and I saw him, I would be like, oh, man, like I would expect like the floating halo behind his head and the like. All of the crazy stuff, right? And yeah. so, like, if you were to see that, you'd be like, oh, man, like, how can that's duh? No, of course I will, you know? But there was people who, who didn't um, until and then there was a change, right? So there was a change after the resurrection. They were markedly different, right? Like Peter went back to fishing after Christ died. But then after he's resurrected, uh, he wasn't going back, right? Like right. there was no turning back for him. Um, to the point of, like you said, martyrdom and things like that, which is it's so and I guess that's kind of why do we not see more of that? Like Peter is a good example of a material difference. Like he was I'm sure he preached. I'm sure he was, you know, he had the sword. He was he was one kind of dude with Christ, but he was a very different dude. After the resurrection, right? Like after getting the spirit and like leading the church and, you know, didn't cut anybody's ear off after that. You know, like he <laughs> he, he was a he was different, you know, Paul, you know, completely different, like a, the biggest conversion story ever. Right. Why? And I guess maybe we do see that and we just don't. I don't know, man. It just seems like why is there not more of the just like switch? Well, I I think I think the second part of what you were saying is kind of part of it. Is it so and this is a really weird analogy and you know, oh well, that's what I've got. Let's roll with it. But like you know why the music on a classic rock station is consistently better than the music on like a current yeah. contemporary rock station? It's not because it's not actually because contrary to what some people would claim rock music was so much better in the 70s and 80s. It's that all of the crap rock music from the 70s and 80s has already been filtered out. Yeah. 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 It died and was buried. Mm -hmm. We're still finding out what's going to be like the classic music of today. Yeah. 
when we look back at, mm. um, you know, St. Paul, St. Peter, those are absolutely massive stories. But we do see those. Yeah. There, there yeah. are people who have those like colossal, uh, I mean, C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis sets out to prove Christianity is a myth and then ends up being one of the leading Christian writers, has the radio program and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. You know, like those kinds of changes still happen. The stakes are a little bit lower in the Western world because it's been a really yeah. long time in the Western world since like being Christian was a life or death question mm-hmm. for this life. Yeah. Like it's an eternal life or death question. Absolutely. Right. Um, but for most of the Western world, like the stakes aren't as high. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the day to day. And so it doesn't stand out as much. I, I agree. And I think like, that was an excellent answer that you had ready to go. And so I want to switch it up on you a uh, little bit more and go it. a little bit farther on the same same train of thought. But so when it, we're promised the heaven, right? Let's just use the easy terms, which we talked about before as being the the. How did you, you phrase it like the. Like we couldn't fall back through the floor. Like we can't lose heaven. Like once we get to that, sure. there's like a, you're going to say it eventually and it'll be right. But I, it was like the, like, yeah, I don't know. But like, there's a point where we're not going to be able to choose not have it. Like we can't fall out of grace once we make it to that point. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. so why not do that now <laughs> instead of, you know, 80 years and a life of suffering like why not make it like once you decide like you have this revelation you make the commitment why is it not that permanent and which i guess this is kind of the question of can you lose salvation or not in life which has been an ongoing debate forever but like i'm thinking just more practically like why isn't god just like here's the holy spirit and you're so materially different that you cannot like the the floor is closed now. You cannot fall below that state anymore. Well, um, so to to quote one of the the teachers I work with, that's a question for management, and I just work in sales. Um, like, <laughs> I knew you were going to do that, but that was that was that was much better phrased than I was expecting. No, I mean, like, it, so it's kind of one of those things. Like, ultimately, yeah, yeah, for me to give. Anything that even approaches the idea of sounding like a concrete answer there is a level of presumption that I I just can't go to. Yeah. To like claim that I know why God is doing things the way that he is. Um I'm not I'm gonna try not to do the full ten minutes like the video you were talking about mm-hmm. before I get to my I don't know. <laughs> um but like part of it does kind of come down to the fact that what I do know is that God's plan and God's model and God's intention and the way God does things is all geared towards the idea of as many people being with him for eternity in heaven as possible. And that God's not limited by the temporary perspective of the moment. Like all moments are the moment for God. Like it's all present Mm -hmm. to him. And so I would say 
I am reasonably confident that anyone who is truly saved, who has truly committed themselves to the idea of following Christ, and it's a true and sincere thing, that that's probably, that that's not going to be lost. Hmm. Like that God in his mercy is not going to be like, ah, you really meant it then, but I'm going to make sure you've got enough time to change your mind on this one. Um, but, you know, why did God tell Abraham to be ready to sacrifice Isaac just to have the angel stop him? God didn't learn anything about Abraham through that experience, right. but Abraham sure as heck did. Right. Like, there are... There are things beyond my ability to grasp. I do have confidence that my inability to grasp them doesn't make them less real. Um, but I think the other part of it too, and one possible part of it that I'm also very confident in is that it is me in the midst of my struggles that makes it possible for me to find others who are struggling mm -hmm. and who haven't found what I have yet. Yeah. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi, I know I've used this quote before, and again, there's a possibility he didn't say it. For some reason, people love citing St. Francis as the person who said a bunch of things that he may or may not have. But regardless of whether uh, Francis of Assisi said it or not, I like the quote. He, The idea that evangelization is one starving beggar showing another starving beggar where the bread can be found. Mm -hmm. The only way I'm going to know how to get out of the sinful habits that I see people struggling with is if I have been in the midst of that sin and I have struggled through it and I have found God on the other side, mm -hmm. you know? And so yeah. by, by God allowing me to endure those struggles, to have that thorn in my side that St. Paul talks about that like wouldn't leave him alone. Because God's grace is sufficient for him. It's only because I know that God's grace is sufficient for me, even if it doesn't feel sufficient in the moment, because when it sucks, it sucks. Mm -hmm. But I know that the suck is not forever and that there's a way through it. And so I can serve as a guide to the other people who are going through the suck. Like my suffering isn't necessarily for my benefit. Some of it is. Some of my suffering is so that I will learn, mm -hmm. so that I will grow. But some of my suffering is for others. You know, one of the weirdest lines in scripture is that in my suffering, I am able to uh, complete what was lacking in the sufferings of Christ from St. Paul. Like, what a weird concept that is, that there was anything lacking in the sufferings of Christ. But ultimately, what that means is that my suffering, as Christ's suffering, was not salvific for him. Like, Christ didn't need the saving. Right. My sufferings can be part of that, too. My sufferings can be used to save others by being connected to that one saving work of mm. Christ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I. It's a good answer. And it connects to my a thought that I've been having and been kind of reaffirming throughout my, like my quiet times is that God gives to us so that we can give to others. Like God doesn't 
ever just uh, well not ever but like uh, like i've been working on stewardship like all this all these different concepts of and reading all you know just some on how my approach is and it just everything that i'm reading and seeing is like god gives to someone so that they can give it to someone else so that they can give it to someone else and that goes back to your idea of he wants as many people as possible and so he's he's playing the multiplication factor right like if i give mm-hmm. to this one and this one gives to two and that those two give to two then he gets a he gets a lot more people than if one just shares with another one or doesn't share at all and so by continuing on he can continue to give to that person and that person can continue to give to others therefore multiplying the factor i, I just the thing that's really bugging me as I'm listening to all this stuff is just like, like, I, I'm not sure if you've seen, I, I got rid of social media because I couldn't do it in a healthy way again. So I'm back off it. I'm binging and purging. But uh, on YouTube, there's a few podcasts that I follow and a lot of it is about deconstruction, right? Deconstruction is a big thing right now. And like the popular, like the, you know, Christian music stars and stuff are deconstructing and, you know, all, all of this stuff, and it's just, it seems like there's the church, but there's a giant hole in the floor, right? And people are just falling through the floor, and I'm like, what do we got to do to close this door, right? Like, how, how do we get it so that people don't fall through the freaking floor anymore, and they stay here, right? Does that make right. sense, you know? And, and no, it no, seems it like that salvation moment, like when you see Christ, like, that door should snap shut, but it doesn't. And it's frustrating. Yeah. But at the same time, and again, it's an analogy. So yes, you know, it's, it's limited, but if the door closes permanently, how else does anyone get in? Uh, Oh, so, so like the door meaning like, uh, the, my ability to fall backwards. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay, And I know what you mean. And like, again, it's an analogy. And so it doesn't go all the way because again, heaven and hell, once you end up there, those are permanent states. Right. Like there is no, so I'm not trying to like, uh, I don't want to grossly oversimplify it, but at the same time it is, there is something to that, that like there has to be the people are getting here, the ones coming out. It's the same two way street. Got it. There has to be a time where we can be making the choice. Mm-hmm. And uh like the the question of human freedom kind of necessitates the idea that like I've got the opportunity, so long as new information is coming, I've got the opportunity to change my mind. Because that's the difference between this life and heaven. Like heaven face to face with God. All the information is there. My understanding of it is still growing. Mm-hmm. You know, not to like, I don't want to get rid of that idea, but like all of the information is there. I know everything I need to know to make my decision. Right now on earth, I'm still growing and learning. And in order for that new information to come in and for it to be a continual choice of love each time, as opposed to, oh, well, <sighs> I stood up that one time at church when they asked if anyone wanted to be a believer. And so I guess I'm stuck here now. Right. Like, I am freely invited to go deeper. 
But in order for me to be freely invited to go deeper, I got to have the other option, too. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that really sucks when you watch people who like you love, you care about, or even just as like a, a somewhat disinterested observer, just watching the human condition, wanting what's good for human beings. Mm -hmm. Like, so even if I don't know them personally, to watch them walk away from it. Yeah, that's devastating. But it's not my call. Yeah. And I got to trust the one who is making that call. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the hard part, right? And I, I guess that's kind of the heading into a life lesson here is just it, it is a level of trust, right? And knowing that everybody's at a like we're in the middle of the story. Like you said, we're not at the end yet, so it's not like we're in the conclusion and everybody's chosen sides and it's good guy versus bad guy now. We're still in that weird subplot gray area where everybody's still figuring out what side they want to be on and if they're going to back the hero or not type of a thing. And so you got to trust their journey and trust that person leading their journey and then, you know, do the same thing for yourself, right? Yeah. And, and give what's been given to you because if you hold on to it, you're not going to have the encounters with Christ. Like that's second life lesson. Sorry. Give so that you can have more encounters with Christ and then you won't fall back through the floor. Yeah. Sorry. Absolutely. Okay. You go. No. And I think kind of building on that, like my life lesson, I don't know why it just came to my mind now as you were talking about it, but like going back to that idea of the fact that we're in the middle of the story, um, you know, think about in like the the heroic tale of Beowulf. Mm -hmm. Like if you were if you were Beowulf and you had slain Grendel. I've definitely never had that thought before. No, no, but like if you were all the time. Yeah, yeah, a liar. <laughs> I know you yeah. But like so you've slain Grendel. Obviously, this is the end of my story. I have conquered right. the monster. What a badass I am. Behold my glory, and now let me just go ahead and enjoy the spoils of my victory. Yep. Here comes the oh, witch no, no. Mother. It turns yeah. out that was the warm up because here comes Grendel's mother. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. But I have slain Grendel's mother. So now, clearly, I can go ahead and relax into my old age, retire, and just go peacefully into that good night. Nope, because the dragon. Stupid worm. And so, like, mm -hmm. and so again, it's that kind of thing where it's like, we don't know which battle we're fighting is going to end up being our our heroic moment. Mm -hmm. But our job is to be prepared for that heroic moment. Yeah. So we have to continue in the daily struggles so that we're ready should we find ourselves having to overcome something. Mm. I like that. So I that, like that ultimate temptation comes when it is time for that door to be closed for good. We can make sure we're ready to do what we need to do to be on the right side of it. Yeah. And I think that's important, too. I think there's a level of conflict that is needed because if you get too soft and you get too bougie, then all of a sudden you have nothing better to do with your life than deconstruct your own belief system and, and tear yourself apart, you know? So yep. idle hands, you know? Oh, okay. Well, I'm looking forward to these upcoming conversations. We're going to focus on just some of these things that happen at the beginning of, of salvation, like um, like adoption is one I really want to dig into, try to better understand that. So if these conversations are meaningful to you, uh, we would 
hope you would be willing to support these by jumping on our website, inkledew.com, click over to the shop, order a couple bags of coffee. We roast it fresh, ship it straight to you. And that is how you can support meaningful conversations. Got anything else on your brain there, man? Nah, man, I'm good. All right on. With that, we will say adieu.